0: Today, I am so pleased to welcome back one of the funniest guests I've ever had, the quick-witted, fresh, and very clever Sean Burns, a staff writer at WBUR's The Artery and a contributing writer at North Shore Movies. Sean Burns was Philadelphia Weekly's lead film critic from 1999 to 2013, and he worked as the movie section contributing editor at the Improper Bostonian from 2006 to 2014, a graduate of NYU's Tisch School of the Arts and the recipient of an award for excellence in criticism from the Greater Philadelphia Society of Professional Journalists in 2002, Sean's reviews, interviews, and essays have also appeared in Metro, The Village Voice, The Boston Herald, Nashville Scene, Time Out New York, Philadelphia City Paper, The House Next Door, Movie Mezzanine, RogerEbert.com and more. Additionally, he's also a projectionist who can tell you exactly what's wrong if you're messing up the presentation of a movie at an AMC theater, which is an important skill for sure. Sean, it is so great to have you here again today. We take part in a movie game night, so it's been fun seeing you this summer, but we're overdue for a chat. So thank you so much for coming back. How are you doing and how are things in Boston?
1: Oh, great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for, I, I love the movie game. That's been like, keeping me going this summer. It's, it's really, been
0: a blast. Yes. <laughs>
1: I mean, joke about it because uh, none of our families will want to play movie trivia with us because we're all the film nerds in the family. So it's nice we found other people.
0: <laughs> I know. And I should say for the record that Sean kicks all of our butts pretty much all the time. He's like, uh, Basically, Vince in color of money, and we joked about it. And then he actually bought a shirt that said Vince for the next game. So Sean is kind of. And then of,
1: I got my ass kicked when I wore the shirt. Did you notice that? That was hubris. So, I didn't win a <laughs> single round when I was wearing the shirt.
0: Oh, really? Did Walter beat you? I, Walter, oh, please. gosh. It's Walter and it's Sean always. Yeah, but there's so much fun. But I always look forward to discovering what you've been working on recently and also, of course, all the cool movies that you've been checking out at the Brattle and other Boston theaters. So what's new? What have you been up to?
1: I just went to see Jaws the other night, which was great. That was, uh, oh, my God. It was on the big Day. screen.
0: Yeah, that that's a, the best.
1: It's actually split, you know, like the, uh, the Coolidge would always show it on Labor Day and the Brattle would show it on the Fourth of July. And uh, so this year, you know, last year was the first year and I don't know how long that I hadn't gone to see the Jaws on a big screen and watching the Blu-ray isn't the same.
0: No, not at all. Not on the little TV in your house. Although it scared the hell out of me when I first saw it. But, but yeah, exactly. (laughs) Though that was on video, but still I'm a weakling, but I can't imagine the cool uh, seeing it on the huge screen projected correctly, which, you know, we have Sean for no yes
1: well and also the surround sound of everyone crushing their beer cans when Quint does it you know like Uh, American Beer Company ran a whole (laughs) crush it like Quint promotion
0: ah so it's kind of like the Rocky Horror but do you have people like acting out the you know the music at all they're very
1: well behaved except for that one then you hear all the cans go crunch they've been like saving the whole movie you know
0: (laughs) oh man So last year when we spoke, uh, we covered a whole lot of territory. Instead of the freewheeling Bob Dylan, it was the freewheeling Jen and Sean. And one of the discoveries that we made along the way, besides, of course, our mutual amusement of the wackadoos with Turquoise in Sedona, Arizona, was that although we were big movie-going teens when it came out, for whatever reason... Neither one of us had seen the trash-tastic 1994 Barry Levinson movie, Disclosure, starring Michael Douglas and Demi Moore. We sort of made an informal pact uh, then that we would watch it and somehow share our thoughts on Twitter or on the pod or who knows. Or maybe Sean was just humoring me and I like held him to it. I'm not really sure. And so I've been like bothering him about it. But I am so excited to have you back this week to follow through not only on that, but also a handful of other sleazy, skirt chasing or sexual prince of darkness, Michael Douglas movies, including Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct and Solitary Man as well. Obviously, we'll get deeper into the films in a minute. But before we do that, what is it about this subject? And as you said, Mikey D or Michael Douglas that you find so fascinating? and do you find it fascinating Sean or did I like again totally peer pressure you like I did when I made Kate Hagen talk to me about James Spader
1: no I'm I've always been fascinated with Douglas he's one of my favorite movie stars and I think I believe we talked last year about how it's amazing because he's the only guy who created his own genre
0: he did so it's,
1: it's just movies where Michael Douglas trips over his dick
0: pretty much <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: And it was just like, you'd go to watch the movies and it's like, you don't even know what they're about. You're like, Oh, who's he going to sleep with? Oh yes.
0: Yeah. I know like she's going to be trouble man like what are you doing <laughs> yes I love the trips over your own dick we need you remember at Blockbuster or um, Hollywood or those where they had those you know printed off things and the genre didn't yes. really fit where you put wild action yeah. yes wild adult drama and you're like <laughs> thinking woo and it's you know something like Terms of Endearment or something <laughs> yeah one true thing and so we need the uh printout for yeah Douglas tripping over his own dick, I think would be another marquee worthy title. Yes.
1: And it's interesting because he's not, you know, a matinee idol. Like, you know, I know everybody's no. mom had a crush on him, but he's not this conventionally, you know, he's Hollywood royalty. He looks a lot like his dad, especially as he's gotten older. He's really looking like his dad now. He does. But, you know, he wasn't really a sex symbol or anything. And then he just got laid in every movie. But usually something terrible happened because of I know.
0: That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's the uniquely Douglas of, are you sure, man? Do you want to do this? Like, is it worth it? But he always did. Yes. (laughs) But what do you think it is about uh, Michael Douglas that he uniquely brings to the screen, whether it's in this genre or, as you said, he's one of your favorite movie stars?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different angles we could have hit him from, you know, because there's like the Michael Douglas of the, you know, alpha male like the wall street guy and then it becomes the falling down guy where he becomes this obsolete you know he's he's certainly in a lot of his roles came to symbolize a certain white male privilege
0: yes yeah and he played the president american president and yeah i forgot how many movies he's been in that like a i've seen and b that are totally solid movies i uh sean knows this because i put it on twitter but i like kind of speed read through mark Elliott's just horribly gossipy, weird bio of Michael Douglas over the last week. It was really strange. But when I was going (laughs) through all the anecdotes and all the like quotes about him and people that he talked to, like when he stuck to the facts, it was totally solid reading. But going through, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, that's right. Michael Douglas was in that movie. Like, I couldn't believe how many films when I was going back to back. It was incredible.
1: I think a lot of it, he started out as a producer, so he's always seemed like one of those guys who has his eye on the whole package, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, he was good at kind of um, selecting the right projects. Like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, of course, is what Mm -hmm. his uh, father had been in, the play version, and wanted to bring it to the screen, could never do it. Um, Took a percentage, but Michael took over the rights, and then he made it. And I love that, um, you know, it won all the Oscars and nobody ever thanked Kirk when they got up to the, like the (laughs) Kirk versus Michael, like father, son drama that goes through this book is just legendary. Like they told the best story about Kirk first seeing Michael um, in a play at like UC Santa Barbara and he goes backstage and he said one thing to him, you were terrible. And then he just walks away. (laughs) <laughs> it was like, oh my God. Yeah. So their whole relationship. And then he said, someday
1: I'm going to fire that old son of a bitch yes, and get the Roman Exactly.
0: Nicholson. <laughs> I am going to surpass him. And yeah, no. Yeah. It was, you know, worth it alone for that kind of gossipy goodness, basically. And there's so much drama. Yeah.
1: Well, and I like in his prime, you know, Michael Douglas had the knack for just being in these incredible like zeitgeist movies, you know, I mean, it sounds crazy now, but there was a time I know, like my parents and all their friends on Saturday night, they would go to the movies pretty much yeah. every other week or twice a month, maybe totally. And, and it was always, they were always talking about him. Like he, mm-hmm. he was in something and I mean, it's probably, you know, a good segue on the first one, like Fatal Attraction. That was when I was 12 when that came out and I didn't see it in the theater, but I remember that's all anybody talked about for like six months.
0: Yeah, I know it really was. I think my first um, knowledge of it, really, I think I'd heard of it but was when I saw Sleepless in Seattle as a kid. And there's the line where, you know, the dad is, the kid wants him to marry this woman who wrote letters. And it's Meg Ryan, of course, but like, he doesn't know that. And so he's like, didn't you see Fatal Attraction? And the kid's like, you wouldn't let me. Well, I did. It scared the shit out of me. And it scared the shit out of every man in America. And it's so true. So when I saw that, it was like, what is this movie? I need to see that now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I remember, you know, I probably, probably rented it, um, but I remember going to a library talk when I was in high school and there was a movie critic. It was no one I ended up knowing. It, was, it wasn't a critic whose name I'd recognized or anything. It was just a guy who for some reason was at the Melrose Public Library talking about movies
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he was talking about Fatal Attraction and he was like, oh, well, you know, it's about AIDS. And this <laughs> light bulb went off over my head like I hadn't thought of was like, Oh, subtext.
0: Yes. No kidding, right? <laughs> I know. There's so much sex is dangerous. Yes, exactly. Like he's sleeping
1: around and brings something back that endangers the whole family. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's why. And I, yep. you know, I mean, it's fascinating. The movie,
0: <laughs> the movie is. became
1: such a hit because you know no one could ever see or make a movie about AIDS at that time,
0: mm-hmm. but it
1: was the way. I mean, I guess it's the way horror films work, where.
0: Yep, You kind Alligator. of sublimate
1: your fears into something else. So it became, you know, this entire country's AIDS anxiety became yeah. Glenn Close.
0: Yeah, pretty much. No, I know they were uh, repackaging all of those um, fears into these films. And, of course, also the gender politics at play. I mean, there's so much to that movie. Everybody sees it a little differently. And yeah, yeah, we should dive in. So twisty erotic thrillers, perhaps more than most movies. This quartet of titles, again, Fatal Attraction from 1987, 1992's Basic Instinct, the aforementioned Disclosure made two years later, and 2009's Solitary Man. These come with one of this podcast's strongest warnings to proceed with caution if you haven't seen them. Because spoilers of varying degrees, including "Who Done It" in all the meanings of that word, of course, it is Michael Douglas tripping over his dick, will inevitably be discussed here today. Likewise, although we'll be working our way through these chronologically, because the themes and the characterizations, especially Michael Douglas's, are often so similar, we'll be referencing all of these and other movies throughout. Because how can you not? But starting with his first foray into erotic thriller territory, we have perhaps the biggest one of the 80s, following, of course, Lawrence Kasdan's Body Heat, which coincidentally starred Douglas's good friend, frequent co-star in films like Romancing the Stone, Jewel of the Nile, The War of the Roses, his ex or on-again, off-again lover, Kathleen Turner. But in Fatal Attraction, based on screenwriter-director James Dearden's 1980 short film Diversion, which was adapted by Dearden into this feature-length script, before others, including Nicholas Meyer in particular, helped take a crack at it as well, Douglas plays a successful, seemingly happy, happily married husband and father who's a lawyer in Manhattan meeting a sexy book editor played by Glenn Close at a work event before they spark once again in a professional setting. Douglas's Dan Gallagher finds himself tempted enough to embark on a roughly 24 hours so long affair with the sexually adventurous Alex Forrest, while his wife and young daughter are out of town. What starts as a no-strings-attached hookup between consenting adults soon takes a twisted turn when Alex is revealed to be not only clingy but also psychotic enough to try to hold on to this man by whatever means necessary made in an era when sex was definitely dangerous as Sean said or more dangerous than usual the AIDS era and grappling with issues of power and gender roles it's an endlessly discussed thriller featuring remarkable turns by its leads that are so good to me, it kind of buoys the film when in my eyes it starts to go a bit wrong and turn into a standard slasher movie. Uh, Also, of course, it is super stylishly directed by Adrian Line, who after over two dozen directors said no, was the one that said hell yes. So Sean, Kwan, I would love to know what your thoughts are on this very famous contemporary classic that in the words of Glenn Close's Alex is not going to be ignored Dan or Sean really (laughs) yeah
1: yeah I mean it's really watching it again this week too it's it's a movie that's much more interesting than good
0: it is yeah there's a lot to it it doesn't really flow but yes
1: the first hour I think is actually very good when I saw the way you kind of sleep you know falls Mm -hmm. into the affair and then it it just gets insane like the the bunny boiler scene
0: it like comes from a different you're kind of like when did this become like whatever happened to baby jane but yeah
1: it's like when they added the spider walk to the exorcist and you're like this doesn't go there (laughs) and it completely doesn't like the logic of the story doesn't follow from that no no
0: yeah (laughs) i know or the car accidents that kind of or the pop-up you know diabolique the (laughs) <laughs> the whole she becomes like Jason or Freddy Krueger at the end of this movie, yeah.
1: <laughs> Which she hated. I was watching the uh,
0: yeah some
1: Oprah special with on YouTube with Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. You know, rewatching the movie together, and I mean, she just hated that turn. She wanted the original ending,
0: the Madam Butterfly ending. Yes, originally Alex was going to take her own life, slash her throat, and then um, kind of pin it on. Uh, Douglas and then the wife finds a cassette tape or whatever exonerating him I mean so again convoluted but a little it's bit terrible
1: more. too. I watched yeah. that uh, on YouTube as well. I mean, that's if they had, you know, we would never be talking about this movie if they'd gone with that ending.
0: <laughs> I don't think <laughs> so. No, yeah. catharsis. <laughs> no, people wanted to see her dead, unfortunately. And they wanted to see Ann Archer uh, totally kill her, I guess. Yeah. The wife had
1: to kill her. Like order yeah. had to be restored. <laughs> you <know?
0: laughs> yeah. You kind of get that whole payoff thing. So they set it right up, but, the chemistry between Douglas and close is so good. Like you were pointing out in the first hour of the movie, um, the scene where they're kind of like out to dinner and dancing around the, are we going to sleep together? Of course they are. Oh, and um, the question that I had a conversation with someone who's like, I don't think this Dan guy has ever had an affair before. I'm like, really? He's pretty goddamn casual about it. So, <laughs> yeah. They were like completely like, this poor man i'm like watch it again i I don't know yeah
1: i mean it's an interesting performance for him too because he's so weak he's really like
0: this character
1: is just sort of like she really pushes him around and he's not you know we're used to a certain like chest beating especially if you're watching it, thinking that's kirk's son
0: i know right (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is a different role for him um Before this, like we said, he'd been in, you know, Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile. So kind of like the jokey uh, side of, you know, the winking at the camera sort of Michael Douglas. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's the uh, equivalent of that scene in Say Anything when John Cusack knows he needs to start hanging out with guys. And they're all sharing their stories about girls, and it cuts to the kid, and the kid's like, bitches, man. And that's kind of the point of like these movies. You could just sum up these films with like that kid going, bitches, man. And uh, yeah, Douglas. (laughs) Yeah, the complete
1: terror of powerful women flows through these films.
0: (laughs) I know. The other thing I noticed watching them in quick succession was. especially early on they they put her in well black originally but like at the end we have the all-white bathroom and the use of white in some of these movies because of the blood which we're going to see again basic instinct with um sharon the first part of the movie she's in white all the time kind of a neo-noir postman always rings twice thing yeah
1: yeah. And also in 87, like they know exactly what they're doing with the images. Like, you know, you see blood and you're like, AIDS, AIDS, AIDS.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Sublimating it. And I love, I saw an interview with a uh, screenwriter once and he's like, you know, I originally wrote this in the late seventies before AIDS was really a thing. And so I wasn't thinking that. And it's like, you rewrote it though. In that era, <laughs> Nicholas Meyer had a hand in it. Adrian Lyne knew what he was doing. Like, yeah, come on, you guys. Yes.
1: Yeah, I'm sure the original one was just about some clingy broad.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, I I have not seen the short film. I think it's just it ends where it's after the affair and the phone is ringing and like the wife answers it or something like that.
1: And, yeah, I saw um, of it on another thing on it was yeah. YouTube, like watching all these like making of specials and things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. And I know this was at a point in the career for Michael Douglas where he wanted um, to do a drastic shift and wanted to kind of be sexual on the screen. And yeah, this led to all of that, I guess. Yeah. So just take the dishes
1: out of the sink before you do that.
0: (laughs) I know that scene drives me nuts. It's like, you know, I guess, yeah, I am not a person who enjoys doing dishes anyway, but that scene always bothers me. It's like, you're in there with the dishes like, come on.
1: Well, later she's making dinner and you're like, oh, I hope you put those through an extra cycle.
0: Can you guys clean the the kitchen a little better at least? Yes, I know.
1: (laughs) It was weird when I was like 13 or 14 watching and it was like this so confusing. Like, is Glenn Close hot? I had no idea.
0: (laughs) It is a completely different side of Glenn Close. Yes. I do remember this like big debate going on of, was she sexy enough? Like, you know, Ann Archer is so beautiful and it's such a stupid.
1: Oh, Ann Archer is like, a knockout, though. And they have her in those little yes. underwears at one point. Underwear is 12 again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like two different <laughs> types of women, basically, is what they're going for. And um, so I heard somebody pose that question to Douglas, like, why would you have cheated on Ann Archer? And he's like, well, you see Glenn Close, you know, she might have something kinky up her sleeve. And it's like, okay. The total, like, Michael Douglas answer, yes. <laughs> also, the movie
1: sets up so many things, like, he's just trying to fuck his wife, and then, like, oh, no, now he's got to take the dog out, now the yes. kid's in the bed.
0: <laughs> like, I know, he's such a, like, when you watch it the first time, you kind of maybe you're like mad at dan but you you feel or you understand him. then the second time you watch you're like dan is kind of an asshole like you know like so the kid had the bed one night and you had to take the dog out like is this worth it (laughs)
1: well it's over gonna blow it all up (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) damn it yeah (laughs) it was that tuesday night no i'm just kidding yes
1: (laughs) and you have like and then you have their friends and i'm always wondering like when people are supposed to be friends in movies like how are he and that guy pals? Like I know they work together but like
0: that. they are so different. Yes.
1: <laughs> Those that couple is not at a restaurant together.
0: I'm sorry. No. Not at all. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then, um, or the guy at the party, there's always like the horny friend, like the aggressively (laughs) horny friend. It's kind of a joke, but in this one, you have a guy that's like so aggressively horny. It's like, (laughs) rein it in a little, but yeah, (laughs) totally different movie. Yes.
1: Uh, I did miss, it's funny because I used to make fun of Adrian Lyon for making like kind of sleazy, stupid movies, but you know, like movies look so bad now. But when you're so watching big, this yeah. like, it's, like oh it's beautiful look at that it's an establishing yes. shot in the morning wow
0: <laughs> <laughs> i know there is a gloss kind of with adrian line like you think of flash dance and nine and a half weeks and all of those movies but now the amount of
1: smoke machines he used yeah not enough (laughs)
0: yeah people were always wet and smoke machines and yes
1: i don't know how anyone could see with all that smoke
0: (laughs) (laughs) it was like a music video yeah exactly but you know watching it today you are going you know this is beautiful look at the skin tones on these people they're not green I can actually see stuff on my TV. Yes.
1: There's like light sources too. It's not just this overhead crummy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, a gorgeous looking film um, for sure. And, you know, it's such a period of uh, a portrait of its time and Mm. yeah. Yeah. Great. It has the
1: first of the recurring motif of the really embarrassing Michael Douglas nightclub scene. (laughs) Yes. when they go salsa dancing
0: after hours <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah don't put michael douglas in a nightclub which um we're gonna see in basic instinct uh with his very very i like a good v-neck but that is the deepest v-neck you're ever gonna <laughs> see in your life like um my friend in yours too jordan harper made a joke about that like the the extreme v in basic <laughs> instinct and his brother photoshopped jordan's face <laughs> and so we can see him wearing the extreme michael douglas v and it was kind of horrifying yeah i mean michael douglas is scary in that thing too it's it's a different look yeah
1: <laughs> and then there's also a scene in Romancing the Stone, right? Where he's also dancing like the salsa dancing. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not a dancer.
0: Like, it's not a good look. Kind of like <laughs> Al Pacino bopping around. In, in, in... <laughs> oh, God. The Scarface uh, bopping around of Al Pacino is like legendary. Yes.
1: Oh, I was thinking of cruising. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and cruising. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make these men dance, is what we're saying. Yes. <laughs> is there anything else you want to add on fatal attraction that we kind of just eviscerated poor michael
1: yeah i mean it's you know it's 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 fatal attraction
0: yeah check it out yeah exactly (laughs) it's on the
1: cover of time and people and every magazine (laughs)
0: yeah it was like the highest grossing movie in the world that year yeah incredibly successful film Well, next up, we have a movie that, like, Fatal Attraction is part of the erotic thriller zeitgeist of the 80s and 90s, full of sex, excess, violence, and so many nonsensical red herrings and twists at some point that it turns into a near spoof of itself. But it's stylish, sleek, and filled with star-making Turns by Sharon Stone, and another solidifying one by Michael Douglas as the definitive star of the erotic thriller genre, a movie everyone turned down, dozens of actors, actresses, and directors, but just the thing that Douglas was looking for at almost 50 years old to make himself seem still sexually vital in the eyes of Hollywood and the world, director Paul Verhoeven's 1992 neo-noir basic instinct based on the screenplay that joe esterhaas had written in a 13-day coked up haze finds douglas playing a san francisco police detective named nick curran a man with a past including multiple questionable shootings and a coke and alcohol habit all his own that's gotten him in trouble with internal affairs as the movie begins he's sent on the case of a brutal kinky killing of a retired rock star by a blonde woman who tied him up with a white scarf and stabbed him in the act of climax with an ice pick, which is incidentally the same way a man was killed in a crime novel written by a woman who'd been sleeping with the rocker played by Sharon Stone. A brilliant psychiatrist who now writes crime fiction and has a history of people close to her dying mysteriously. Stone's bisexual and sexual dynamo, Catherine Trammell, is the seductive prime suspect who toys with everyone she meets, whether with words or looks or by crossing and uncrossing her legs, very famously. A notorious film of extremely questionable taste, including a bizarre, veritable rape scene by Douglas of his on again, off again. Girlfriend played by Gene Triplehorn that was weirdly put in the movie at the actor's request. And also, uh, the film has a bad track record of every bisexual or lesbian female character being a potential psychopath. But while it Makes you want to take a few cold showers and wants to get the grime off you here and there. It's still incredibly entertaining. Absolutely dominated by Sharon Stone, reminding us just how great she can be when she's given the right role. So talk to me about Esther Haas, Verhoeven, Douglas Stone, and Basic Instinct.
1: I'll make a confession for years. I mean, I just despised this movie. I had like a terrible time getting through it. I thought it was awful.
0: I thought Esther Haas was the
1: antichrist.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like initially that was my reaction. Yeah.
1: I didn't get Verhoeven until embarrassingly late. Like, I mean, I liked RoboCop and everything and I knew it was kind of satirical, but like the, I mean, I was, you know, a repressed straight Catholic boy from Boston. It took me a long time to figure out camp.
0: Yes. (laughs) I know sometimes humor from Europe. It's like, what are you doing? It doesn't play the right way. The first time you see it here.
1: Yeah, and it was when I finally, like, then one day it was on HBO and I started, you know, I was like, let me give this movie another chance. And it just unlocked for me. I'm like, oh, this is fucking hilarious.
0: It is. Movie, yeah. It's, it's strange. so strange. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a crazy one. Um, her performance is just like one for the ages. I love how many times she like invokes his name or um, she will bring up like the weird she's always figuring out like, well, you you know, do you smoke and just it's like an old school villain, but like played in a whole new way. And it just kills me. Yes.
1: And he is the most unbelievable asshole. I
0: know. (laughs) And he's supposed to be our hero. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's weird. Like, I was watching it again. I thought, God, it's like the same character he played in Black Rain. Like, they're both named Nick, right? They're just these...
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> asshole yeah. cops, and they're in trouble with eternal affairs because they're dirty.
0: <laughs> yeah, and probably still has sexual hangups because he was in love with Andy Garcia in Black range yeah. Come on, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: That's no, it's true. There. I mean, no, yeah. nobody had sex in Ridley Scott movies then, but you know, it's
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's a lot of.
1: Uh, I mean, who wouldn't be in love with Andy Garcia
0: in that movie? Exactly, Andy Garcia. <laughs> the movie dies when he does. <laughs> I know. I'll have to like link to it because I'm going to reference it because I always do. But somebody on YouTube put together what they called the "Babe" supercut of the number of times that the word "babe" is uttered, and it's like almost always Andy Garcia and Michael Douglas calling each other "babe," and it just cracks me up <laughs> so much. Yes. <laughs> yeah oh. so this is like
1: that black rain character but like without the cool mullet or the motorcycle
0: yeah yeah and like he's he left all that behind yeah dick
1: and like the things he says just aren't funny no. like every line in this movie that's supposed to be clever is just such a groaner like i mean what is with the word <laughs> rug rats like <laughs>
0: fucking the fuck of a
1: century like what what are you 12
0: yes i know it's so true and he's always like taking things uh just her word for everything like it's like you're supposed to be a detective right like is this the first person you've ever slept with like what is i mean not we saw the whole horrific scene but um but geez yeah
1: oh it's interesting because you talk about how that scene was added that's one of i i think that's actually a good scene and i could see how psychologically it works because he's trying to reassert some sort of control Mm-hmm. Over a woman, and she's there. It's it's actually more. It makes sense that it wasn't in the original script because it's much more psychologically astute than anything else. In the yeah, film. it's
0: saying more about like who we're actually watching when we watch this movie. Yeah, yeah,
1: because he feels so emasculated by her in the first meeting that he has to come home and throw this check over the couch to prove that he's Mr. Big, dominant man again.
0: Yes, yeah, it's scary, and it's kind of that old link of like you know the cop and the villain are far more similar than you want to think mm-hmm. Sean did we just say this is heat before heat no I'm just kidding but <laughs> Blake's gonna kill us no I know yes. Blake
1: will get really mad no does
0: do. <laughs> did this movie inspire heat no I'm just kidding but uh yeah no it yeah it's a crazy film don't watch Michael Douglas dancing, you know, with the deep v-neck. That's that's a whole other thing. I <laughs> All also the horrible
1: faces he makes during the sex scene when he's gone down on oh her. Like, like looking yes. at the eye contact.
0: <laughs> I I still have no idea like how this movie was actually made and like legally, like Sharon Stone talks <laughs> about the three weeks of sex scenes with Michael Douglas and how they saw everything, and she didn't like the you know the modesty covers that they were giving her and it's like we don't even know what happened on the making of this one basically but yeah it's a little yeah
1: (laughs) yeah and I mean but it's so like fun the way it's directed just this Mm -hmm. everything's so overheated I mean that interrogation scene when you just have these like sweaty face of Wayne Knight looking up her skirt (laughs) Yeah. Stream <laughs> close-up with this <laughs> blaring score. I remember, you know, like being like 17 when it came out and going, What kind of scene is this? I like know concept that it was supposed to be funny.
0: Yeah. And any of Morricone's score, which I didn't even remember. That no, it wasn't was- um,
1: it was Jerry Goldsmith for basic instinct. McCo Morricone did disclosure. Oh
0: my god, and you're right. Morricone did disclosure. I knew he was on one of these. So this was Jerry Goldsmith. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, but yeah. I mean,
1: it's just you know they're trying to just Bernard Herman, you
0: know? <laughs> Yeah, and it's in San Francisco, so you have yeah. the whole vertigo thing going on, you know. I know, yeah. and
1: I said about the car stuff. I think is really shitty and in basic instinct. Like the car chases are so lousy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then but yeah, it
1: was another one though. The movie dominated the conversation cycle for like an entire summer. I mean, everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: the the concept of of bisexuals was just (laughs) mind-blowing
0: yeah like Like, wait a minute which one does she prefer i don't get it yes
1: she has a girlfriend too
0: (laughs) this chick's crazy (laughs) hold on to your bunny rabbits michael no (laughs) yeah I love when they turn the tables and like, you know, this Gene Triplehorn who is like basically used and dropped to this whole movie, like just falls into the trash like 27 times. And so by the end of the film, you know, where you're like, wait a minute, it's her. It can't be her. And it just goes back and forth. And I love how Douglas is taking, again, Sharon Stone's word for everything over this woman he actually knows. It, oh, kills me. Yes. Not a great detective. No
1: no and again there's like so like when she's of stones with her girlfriend there i forget the actress's name and was miguel Ferrar's wife um but yeah when they're like making out in the bathroom stall <laughs> it's just like yeah. this, <laughs> this, this scare it's like a film like a horror movie you know?
0: It is. <laughs> i know because then yeah they want you to think it's her it's like every five minutes you had no idea what was going on basically yeah. And What's really,
1: it? the most grating performance is his partner there, George Sunza from the Tear
0: Hunter. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> That's it with the cowboy hat. And,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he calls him Haas every five seconds. Yes. You know what? I mean, the immortal
1: line about the the magna cum laude pussy done fucked up your brain. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I'm not sure, would he even know the phrase? But anyway, um, but yeah, he's kind of trying to fill in for Andy Garcia, I think is what's happening. We've (laughs) unlocked it, you know, and he wants to make Haas the new babe of this movie. That's why he says it so much. I also love the big, intense rivalry uh, between. Uh, douglas and the internal affairs guy and just you know like they're always going into each other's office and like slamming doors and yelling at each other it's kind of like the spoof version of that dynamic in *Soy Marion and axe murderer with arkin as uh anthony lapalia's uh, boss who's way too nice and he's like someday i want you to just come in and yell at me and he does that and then this movie is basically the film version of that essentially <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and i mean you think you watch it and you're like like why i was so mad when i first saw it? like Esther House was funny. the highest paid screenwriter yes in history like he was I writing shit on that. napkins and was getting five million dollars for him
0: yes and what's crazy is he had done um he'd written jagged edge with yeah. glenn close so it's kind of like six degrees of all these erotic thriller people essentially
1: yeah, and Jagged Edge isn't very good either. Like he just wasn't a good writer, which is probably his best <laughs> script, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh. I would love to see a documentary about the ego wars between like Esther Haas and verhoeven because you know, Verhoeven wanted to add things. Esther Haas walked away. They brought in a different writer. Finally, uh Verhoeven's like, well, what the hell is this? This doesn't work at all. And got back with them. And yeah, there's There's quite an episode or season of that feud show, but just on these guys. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Luckily they made another movie together. That would be a.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Showgirls. Yep. That was their honeymoon, I guess, film after this. Like we got through it in our, our second honeymoon. Yes. (laughs) Uh, But it's really entertaining. I mean, it is funny. Like watch it again. If you haven't seen it in forever. I was not prepared how funny it was going to be either. I didn't like it the first time <laughs> I saw it. I rewatched it in I think, the early aughts and I liked it a little better. And this time it was like, God, this movie is hilarious. Yes. Sharon Stone is just so good in it.
1: Oh, she's hysterical. It's yeah. Just...
0: Yeah, absolutely. She knows exactly how to play it. But... I know he was really worried. He wanted uh, an A-list actress of what he was considering his caliber. Like he had a list people like Gina Davis and all these others just turned it down right away. We we're like, hell no. And uh, he, he even took the name Kathleen Turner too. Um, and they wouldn't, they were like, no, she's too old or whatever for the part at the time. Um, but yeah. So they were working with them. They'd and,
1: seen crimes of passion. <laughs>
0: yeah. They were like, no, that's not happening. And so he had to rewatch her test uh, screen again or her screen test again. And was like, yeah. But he was worried she was going to upstage him, and she does. Yeah. Oh,
1: she sure does, yeah.
0: Yes. Oh, so good in it. Is there anything else you want to add on Basic Instinct?
1: I know. I think we've covered that one. Uh, just, yeah. Just you know, the movie put me off v next forever.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Stay away from the deep B. Stay away from Douglas <laughs> dancing. Yes. Just don't was- wear that
1: out to a club. Like <laughs> that kind of sweater. like.
0: A sweater, too, like you're going <laughs> to dance, you're going to sweat right through that. But-
1: I'm going to this hot gay club, I'm going to be the oldest person there by 20 years, <laughs> I'll wear this nice sweater with nothing you know, nothing underneath it but my chest hair.
0: <laughs> yeah, come on, Haas. No. Okay, yes, <laughs> like his buddy. Well, this, of course, brings us to the reason we're here today. In the immortal words of Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny, it's called disclosure, you dickhead. Uh, Though, shockingly, in this one, Michael Douglas doesn't actually play his typical brand of skirt-chasing dickhead. For as Noah Gittel quickly pointed out to me on Twitter, this time the skirt chases him. A sexual harassment thriller based on the novel by Michael Crichton and adapted by Paul Adonasio, 1994's Disclosure finds Michael Douglas playing the production line manager of a tech firm called Digicom named Tom Sanders, a happily married man who finds himself the subject of unwanted sexual attention and flirtation by his adventurous, self-described, sexually aggressive ex-lover Meredith, played by Demi Moore, who he discovers is his new boss. When her romantic overtures over a late meeting with a bottle of wine turn into Moore's full-on assault of Douglas and attempted rape as he yells or says no like 20 sometimes. Uh, He decides it's time to sue for sexual harassment after more lies to colleagues and says the reverse happens in order to get revenge for him, daring to say uh, no to her, a film that is so politically incorrect and paranoid. I mean, it even co-stars Dennis Miller for Christ's sake. Uh, There's absolutely (laughs) no way that it would be made like this today and nor should it as again, just like, um, the triple horn scene and basic instinct, it's kind of asking or inviting your arousal at another's discomfort or alleged discomfort. But it's still interesting as a product of its time period, a movie that like gun to my head, there's absolutely no way I can explain the weird third act machinations involving twisty corporate hijinks and The like laugh out loud virtual reality showdown that plays out between tom and meredith because it's utterly batshit needless to say it is not one of barry levinson's best how about you sean i'm so excited to know what are your thoughts on yet another woman after michael douglas's seemingly irresistible bond here in holy shit (laughs) holy shit this movie yes (laughs)
1: i mean i've been hearing about it for years but i
0: know uh, yes
1: i was not i was still not prepared no for i mean it's appalling it's, first of all most 90s movie ever made like with the seattle just that yeah. tech company office with the exposed brick the
0: i know, glass. the glass you can see everybody yeah
1: everything looks like a fucking aol commercial in it like <laughs>
0: Yes, I know. So, it's all about email, but like that old, like the net style email with Sandra Bullock and uh, was it Jeremy Northam, kind of like that. The movie
1: is so excited about the concept of email. Like whenever like an email comes, it's like it's yeah. filmed like when the spaceship lands, <laughs> Close Encounters, or something.
0: And like it's like Deep Throat <laughs> is sending him email. Like oh my god, it's from quote a friend. Yeah.
1: And It's like the shittiest clues. <laughs> Play the game.
0: <laughs> it is. The guy isn't really helping Michael Douglas. He thinks he is. <laughs> but it's just like, solve the problem. And, you know, it's really dumb. It's like fortune cookie logic, essentially.
1: <laughs> another, I mean, Esther House was, you know, one of the great villains of 90s movies. But, I mean, Crichton was another one. Like, I know we're supposed to love Crichton because of... Jurassic Park and yeah you know, but but I mean it's it's just shit. All this stuff's terrible. Like if you watch and he's so reactionary. You watch like this racist piece of crap like rising sun or something, you know. Just, it
0: is. Yeah. Somebody brought up Rising Sun the other day and I was like, holy shit, I forgot about that one. But yeah, but I love how you know he he does, but also he was responsible for ER, I think, because of some book he wrote, but Yeah. Yeah. So he had a few hits, but I love like after the dinosaur movie, the thing that scared him the most was like to use the phrase bitches, man. Again, he had that in common with Douglas. It's like these crazy chicks. I don't know. I'm just, (laughs) you know, going to write this.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's the movie's absolutely insane. Cause I mean, first of all, and you have to look at like it's place in Hollywood history where this is the first movie about sexual harassment.
0: So, of course, it's the guy getting harassed. (laughs) I know, right? It's like right after Anita Hill, this was this hot button thing. And then it's, holy shit, what if they harassed a man? Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Then it would be really scary.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I thought Demi Moore was very good uh, in it. I mean, she has to really deliver these kind of ludicrous speeches, Where, you know, the equivalent of, like, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. She has this whole thing she does where in the mediation where she, you know, I am a sexually aggressive woman. And it's the most ridiculous dialogue ever. But Get back here and
1: put yourself inside me.
0: Yes. (laughs) And to me, more like, sells it. And uh, I I don't know. I guess she was considered for Basic Instinct, too. So, finally, they work together. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, God, the Dennis Miller was just cracking me up. Just like, you know, the, Hey baby, did you get a boner? Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Again, you have the two hyperly like horny guy is, is the Douglas sidekick. So it may, it's supposed to make Douglas look like more normal by comparison, right. but Yeah. <laughs> It was kind of funny like watching these and thinking what was the deal with Douglas and then reading that gossipy bio because it was talking about Douglas's legendary exploits over the years oh, of women yeah. and Jack Nicholson. He like outdid Jack Nicholson to the point that Nicholson is like, Michael Douglas is into some bizarre shit, man. And it was like, <laughs> I think that was the exact quote. It's like bizarre. And so they went on this whole post, uh, Cuckoo's Nest tour of Europe and all the chicks of Europe and all the drugs, and um, and I guess Angelica Houston then took Ryan O'Neill to England as a revenge for their trip. Oh, but, wow. um I'm gonna
1: read this book now.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but uh, I guess Douglas uh, is really into kinky sex games and and stuff like that. And so um, when I saw these movies and then read the book, I'm like, no wonder he was after these. Yes. <laughs>
1: No, when Nicholson says you're like, that's like when yeah. you know, Brian Jones got thrown out of the Rolling Stones for doing too many drugs.
0: I know, right? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> then you know you have a problem. That's like Warren Beatty going, you know, you might be a little bit of a ladies' man. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking of the famous the Robert Downey intervention led by Sean Penn when you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, if Sean Penn's leaving my intervention. <laughs> if Sean
0: Penn knows you have a problem, yeah. <laughs> you're off the rails my friend yes oh my god no, i mean
1: dic- disclosure is astounding and then like there's um, there's like yeah, barry levinson and paula denasio who was a great movie critic and i thought a great writer because you wrote donnie brasco and then like he'd started doing these shitty movies <laughs> with barry levinson when it also made spear which i couldn't even finish <sighs>
0: Air. was that the uh, Sharon Stone, Sam Jackson? Yeah, the underwater okay. thing. Where, okay, you know, like, I remember. I actually went to the theater to see that. Yeah, <laughs> I made that mistake. No. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, like Paul and I was like, he, he wrote that. He and Levinson did the Homicide TV show, you know, and then and then this piece of shit, which is just breathtaking. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no real way to convey to people how bizarre it gets because like yeah. the whole sexual harassment trials over after an hour
0: and you're like how are they gonna yeah i like this actually story. looked
1: at the timer on the on the yeah. rental and i was like how's there like a, <laughs> another
0: hour left there's
1: another hour and eight minutes of this what are we doing here?
0: i know and it's like i don't really care about the whole inner workings of the you know tech firm and the virtual and who's going to be in charge there's and, something
1: about a merger and who's yes. going to be in, and, and but the cd roms don't work and everyone's just spouting this jargon that nobody understands
0: nobody gets it <laughs> yeah but um i had no idea to expect this moment of like michael douglas going into the virtual reality and like fighting meredith or having her like fuck him over in virtual reality by deleting stuff you're like what is this movie? And yeah, uh, it was these horrible
1: graphics <laughs> from like yes. a Jim jab commercial or something. And her oh, avatar, oh. it's like her face, it's like a terrible, like, like 8 bit to me more face, but it's on this green checkered outline of a body. But the body has huge tits, it's,
0: <laughs> it's really like strange. It it's like, yeah, it's a little ridiculous. It kind of. <laughs> predicts tomb raider no i'm just kidding i actually just googled the net because i was like you know that was cheesy but at least it was still trying to do things about you know people posing as other things that came out a year later maybe they saw this movie and were like holy shit well we can do better than that
1: yeah i remember the net i remember hating the net but now that i've seen disclosure it's probably a masterpiece yeah
0: pretty much (laughs) (laughs) that happened recently yeah with um terminal velocity and drop zone which i watched for jed and right. so i watched drop zone and i'm like this sucked and then i watched terminal velocity and i'm like you know drop zone basically the french connection compared to this
1: <laughs> is terminal velocity that one where charlie sheen's just like wasted the whole time and like?
0: charlie thing. sheen just has like the weirdest jump instructor and you know he stumbles onto a government conspiracy and you know it's
1: and he's like hidden nastasia Kinsky's in that, right
0: yes yeah. yeah in the middle of all this they hook up and you're like what yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> kind of like the chase do you remember with charlie sheen
1: oh yeah where they like have sex in the car <laughs>
0: <laughs> during the middle of this big chase yeah <laughs> like that works yeah uh so segue on a charlie sheen sorry about that no
1: Well, of course, we're we're ignoring the elephant in the room or just this terrifying nightmare sequence with Donald Sutherland sexually harassing Michael Douglas in an elevator.
0: oh my god yes i said i was watching that and somebody's like wait till you get to donald sutherland in an elevator I'm like what are you talking and then i started to worry because i just watched fatal attraction and they hook up in the elevator and i'm like oh my and then sure enough I'm like what is it with is he like de palma what's with him in elevators but yeah
1: yeah there's this big monster so it was funny too because before that in the first scenes i was like i was realizing like everyone's tripping over this tech dialogue
0: yeah, and like
1: Sutherland's just sailing through it. He's nailing it. I'm like, what a pro this guy is. He can do anything. And then he's just got his tongue out trying to like <laughs> molest Michael Douglas, <laughs> talking about the I fabric know. of his suit.
0: <laughs> I love how like to um, solidify Douglas and his sexuality at hitting 50 years old. It's like, well, in this movie, everyone wants a piece of me. Come on, yes, <laughs> including Donald Sutherland. Yeah. <laughs> it is the ultimate Douglas, yes. That's and then yeah, him like thing.
1: like smacking the secretary on the ass with the folder.
0: I know, and what I what I loved about that is she is brought in the deposition, and it's almost like, oh no, she shouldn't be saying this, and he shouldn't be hitting her on the ass with folders. And I love how she explains that it made her uncomfortable. And then he never apologizes to her. And it's like, no, but this is. No, he does in the
1: last scene there. Oh, that's true.
0: But like not, you know, like before that where they're working together. And you're like, no, this is all about my horror. And so, yeah. He had to be harassed, I guess, to find his humanity. Yeah.
1: The absolute horror of Demi Moore trying to give me a blowjob.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Nightmare scenario. Oh, my God. That is just the craziest (laughs) sequence. It goes on forever. Yeah. It, oh, man. It's it's really awkward and really strange. And I love, again, how you're saying it's so 90s because the set has all this like, you know, bricks and, and glass and they're in some like construction site part of the workplace. Like, where did they go and find this? Come on.
1: Yeah, it was part of that whole like tech boom thing where everyone was wearing like it was Seattle. So you know, I mean, how many times did they say Seattle in this movie? Because it was the '90s. That was big. That was, you know, they had the coffee and it's
0: yes. I know. You know, he had
1: a mullet because everybody did then. Mm -hmm. I mean, Dennis Miller's hair is unbelievable. Like
0: it is. (laughs) Yeah. Uh... That
1: was just that weird. There was like two years where Dennis Miller just kept popping up in movies for a while.
0: I just saw him the other night in uh, Murder at 1600, which is the <laughs> cheesiest movie, but for whatever reason, I enjoyed it as a kid. And so I saw it was going to leave HBO Max. I'm like, I'm going to watch it again. What the hell? Frickin' Dennis Miller shows up again. It's like this guy is everywhere in like 93 to 96, essentially. Yeah.
1: I never saw Murder at 1600, but I saw the trailer every time I went to the movies for like oh, really? a
0: year. <laughs> You know, and the trailer, really...
1: yeah, the, the trailer shot had a scene that wasn't in the movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was one of those filmed just for the trailer, but it was like this slow camera pan over to Wesley's. We've got a murder at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue, like turns into <laughs> like an address that changes all the rules. <laughs> 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 and then oh, the movie man. came out, and I heard he doesn't say the say in it the in line. the movie and I said well you're not getting my eight dollars
0: no <laughs> yeah oh was it eight dollars for you in the mid-90s
1: forgot. it was no okay. it was in New York so it was probably like 12 I was living in New oh, York then, so all right. I think it was something astronomical
0: <laughs> yeah oh ridiculous but no it is really funny although again um with Dennis Miller as the sidekick it's like stop trying to make Dennis Miller happen everybody yes <laughs>
1: Yeah, He was like cool then. he hadn't got he hadn't turned into the right wing blowhard or anything,
0: you know, (laughs) kind of like when Bill Maher was showing up and like they would cut it was like, I used to call him Jay I'll do anything Leno, like all the movies for a while (laughs) when they turned on the TV, you had Jay Leno commentating on something and it was so like you could just call and he'd be sure what the hell. Well just yeah, like they bring them like, over to the movie.
1: set. Yeah. It yeah. was always uh
0: What do you need me to do? Yeah. Do You need me to bring donuts and coffee? I'll do that. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, Jay Leno, But yes.
1: Yeah, no, every movie had a scene at the Tonight Show. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was so annoying. Like, it was. You guys couldn't get a letter in, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah. And it always had that really bad writing too. Like, uh, and I'm saying this and I'm remembering, I think there's a scene in American President again with Michael Douglas where he's yeah. commenting and it's, yep.
1: Well, the Tonight Show also had the really bad writing too. So.
0: Yes. Oh, no, that's what I mean. Yeah. You had the, they managed to get the bad writing of the Tonight Show. Yeah, they really,
1: they, they, they yeah. secreted. <laughs>
0: he
1: probably brought his own jokes. So.
0: Yes. Very true uh well is there anything else you want to talk about I, i'm with- still in
1: shock like i mean that was worth waiting 25 years for
0: <laughs> i know like- <laughs> well i'm glad that our weird like aside last year kind of led to us both finally correcting this astronomical wrong of seeing disclosure
1: i, w- I worry too that we're like overselling people on it being funny because it's no. so tedious <laughs>
0: like you're not going to really want to watch almost 120 maybe it was a little longer than that actually um minutes of this movie
1: oh it was 208 i kept checking
0: 208 yeah. <laughs> my goodness yeah no it's not worth it people yeah unless you They're just fast forward wouldn't. to the virtual reality moment but oh god there's
1: was, there was like the Barry Levinson Baltimore guy and then the Barry Levinson studio guy.
0: <laughs> like, Never the twain shall meet. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. When he was on a uh, job for hire, man, talk about like, sure, I'll do any, I'll put the camera wherever, wherever you guys yeah. want.
0: <laughs> to me more harassing Michael Douglas. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I will go for it. It was supposed to be Milos Forman. I read. And so it was going to be a reunion with uh you know he directed cuckoo's nest the sean oh, knows right. and so douglas was all psyched but then uh he clashed with michael Crichton, and uh creighton yeah exactly it's like go milosh but yeah and and he went yes
1: he went and made larry flint instead well we're all the better for it.
0: yeah exactly <laughs> he's like this is my bread and butter yeah
1: (laughs) god i can't Uh, even imagine milo's (laughs) disclosure
0: (laughs) that i think it would have been straight up way funnier yeah (laughs) absolutely because he probably wanted to film it like that like in the uh in one of the interviews he was talking about how people don't really get his humor and he said you don't understand where i'm from like kafka is funny and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not just straight absurdism. And so when people are like, I don't know about Cuckoo's Nest being funny, it is funny. And uh, yeah, that's his thing. So I'm sure that's the kind of sensibility he wanted to bring to this. And Crichton was like, no, it's deadly serious. She's harassing him. No, she's kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's about corporate espionage. Didn't you people read Rising Sun?
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to be Grisham here. No, I'm just kidding
1: oh rising sun reminds me too of yeah fatal attraction it's every movie from back then to jump back there for a second when they have that party there's the weird Japanese xenophobia at the party like yes. right? the Japanese country
0: I know yeah there's going to be some strange thing and that goes to black rain as well yeah
1: yeah 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 there was just a whole cottage industry and we are absolutely terrified of Japanese was, taking yeah. over our economy so
0: I know let's make
1: some crazy xenophobic racist movies
0: yeah lastly we have a film that kind of serves as a comeuppance for all kinds of this uh, behavior on screen and perhaps off as well solitary man from the men behind tv's billions brian kopelman and david levine who directed the film based on the script by kopelman A 2009 low-budget indie that was generally well-received by critics, despite being a box office dud, the movie stars Michael Douglas as a 60-year-old ex-very-well-known car dealer who had a major fall from grace following corrupt business dealings that almost sent him to prison, serial womanizing plus habitual lying and toxic behavior, most of which came to a head roughly six years earlier when a doctor saw something during a routine physical and asked him to come back for a heart test that he was too scared to get. Catching up with this man now in the chaotic present where he regularly disappoints his ex-wife Susan Sarandon, daughter Jenna Fisher, both of whom he loans money from without paying the Back often, and his young adoring grandson at the start of the movie, his former mistress, slash one of his current paramours, Mary Louise Parker, comes down with the flu and asks him to chaperone her 18 year old daughter for the weekend during a visit to his alma mater. Yeah, that's a good idea. Imogen Poots plays the young woman who initially sees through the geriatric Douglas for the conniving hornball player he is. But then uh, curiosity and a frank come-on results in a quick tumble. While the films we already discussed might make you think it's at this moment that Poots will turn clingy and psycho, in this case, it's Douglas who sees more hope in the fling with the sexually wise beyond her years Poots than is actually there, and he gets the rug swept out from under him once more when she uses this experience against her mother for predictable revenge thereby destroying any chance he has for a financial comeback in the car business thanks to her mother's connections. A character-driven film where everyone is far more interesting than the utterly disdainful Douglas, who's very much a dickhead in this one. It plays at times like a cross between Wonder Boys, a Roger Dodger, but it's not as good. But the actors are all excellent, and it's intriguing to see Douglas grapple with some of the sexual damage that he's done.
1: Yeah, I really um, like this movie. Yeah. I'm so, it seems to it, it fell right through the cracks. I remember, but when I when it came out, I was like, God, this is like the ultimate Michael Douglas movie because really you have is. the Gordon Gecko character and you have the Fatal Attraction guy. Like, oh, it's all of, you know, it's the entire persona. I don't know how much uh, Koppelman wrote it for him because I can't imagine anybody else playing it to the same degree of you know.
0: He said he was his muse when he was writing. Yeah. Yeah, and Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because there's not... Um, I mean, you even have Danny DeVito.
0: <laughs> I love <laughs> his that college so much. Buddy. <laughs> Yeah, Danny DeVito is his buddy, and that's, of course, one of Michael's real-life best friends. They met was when his they college were... buddy, right? Or... Um, they met when they were doing, like, summer stock uh, behind the scenes, like wheelbarrows, pouring cement, that kind of stuff. And, yeah, and I think uh, they said initially... Danny made him laugh and Danny liked, uh, getting the girls through Michael. So yeah, just, you know, friendship for the ages was born right there.
1: Yeah. I went to a wonder boy screening that Douglas introduced and he said, Danny DeVito gave him his first joint.
0: Oh, really? (laughs) That is so funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I like
1: this. I like this movie a lot because, you know, I mean, you're just watching this guy, all of his delusions, this alpha male persona just gets completely dismantled for 90 minutes. It's just one
0: yeah, it's humiliation
1: one, after another.
0: I know one bad decision after another. It's kind of he's the uh, it's your own damn fault personified, <laughs> like one bad thing after another. It's like, come on, man.
1: Yeah, any good thing, like he can't help blowing it up. And you watch the character turn, like the scene where, you know, he just out of nowhere tries to seduce Jesse Eisenberg's girlfriend.
0: <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. And they're trying to think, um, explain it like, well, he's a little drunk and a little insecure. And it's like, but buddy, come on, what are you doing? Yeah.
1: Oh, he's this pathetic uh, guy like he were. By that point, he's working at the diner where all the college kids hang out.
0: And oh they're laughing at
1: the guy from the diner is at their, their keg party.
0: Like the <laughs> creepy thing, you know, of <laughs> don't you have any friends your own age kind of thing? Yeah, this old guy just sort of hanging around, trying to recapture his youth, essentially, or he has nowhere to go, really. But yeah, uh, but I love that line where uh, Imogen Poots, like, confronts him, like, well, this is the job. I needed a job. Like this is the only job they have. Jobs in New York. Like, come on. <laughs> He's just wants things handed to him, essentially. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really. I mean, the character's like ridiculous privileges to. You just watch it ripped out from under him. I think it's a great performance. It's a slow dawning realization. Like, oh, I might be full of shit.
0: Yeah. I think this one would play really well with wonder boys, like, you know, watch them as a double feature essentially. Yeah. Or as part of this uh, tripping over his own Dick sort of um, film festival that you might want to put on at Coolidge or the Brattle there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like, you know, I know we both have this love of wonder boys, but everyone was talking about what a departure it was for Douglas at the time. And it's like, well, because he's a slob, but other than that, like it's the same character he always plays. All right. He just got somebody knocked up. He's got this.
0: Yeah. Somebody else's wife. Come on.
1: The girl downstairs is half his age and hitting on him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is Michael Douglas. Come on. Yes. Oh my gosh.
1: All right. So he didn't cut his hair, but you know,
0: <laughs> other than that, yeah. He's walking around in a bathrobe instead of suits, but it's him. Yeah. Yeah, and trying to recapture his youth to relive those glory days um, of of the promise from his earlier stuff. Like, he needed a hit there, and um, unfortunately, Wonder Boys wasn't a hit, but over the years, word of mouth, um, hopefully people are continually finding it, because it's one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, and I hope that now that everyone loves Billions, maybe they'll check out Solitary Man,
0: because I, yes.
1: remember, I wrote a rave review of that, and nobody listened to me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I remember reviewing it, like, when the DVD came out, too. I don't know. I think I think it was pretty well-received critically, but just didn't really. He's got on. that great
1: scene with Sarandon where he talks about uh, how, you know, when he used to walk into the room and it was so electric and everyone knew he was the one. And then you get older and it's not there anymore. And I was like, mm-hmm.
0: you
1: know, I thought it was so interesting for a star to be so upfront because he hadn't had a hit movie in a long time at that point. oh. No.
0: Right? no he'd tried like uh was it the sentinel and he tried a couple different things and they just were not scoring no
1: yeah, there, I, uh, yeah
0: i think he did some of his most interesting work in the um first 10 years of after the 2000s there i mean traffic is mm-hmm. also a really good performance with him yeah which I can't imagine playing um, knowing what I know about like with his son and the problems he was having at the time. It's like, wow, that must've really hit home. Yep.
1: Yeah. And then of course, but another playing Liberace, which again, tripping yes. over a stick.
0: Yeah. I know Soderbergh <laughs> knew. Yeah. Got to bring that back.
1: Like he's always going to get laid more than anybody else in the movie. And it doesn't matter who.
0: Wins. No men, women. <laughs> Everybody wants him. Yeah, Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, whether he's wearing a robe or a V-neck, he's just desirable. Everybody. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or if he has a mullet or calling people babe or someone's calling him host. Yeah.
1: Someone, when I saw him, someone had asked about the kissing scenes in Behind the Camerla. And he and Matt, he said they worked out a thing where it's like, "Would you like the cherry chapstick today, Matt?" Or would
0: you? Like-? <laughs> That's so funny. Yes. Yeah. Well, obviously we went with this quartet of titles and didn't even go into some of his other Prince of Darkness roles and the less sex focused, but still like notable works like Wall Street or another, he tried to do another sort of sexy thriller, Perfect Murder, which last year I tackled with Jed Ayers or others in the Douglas filmography that take on society in irreverent ways, like Falling Down. How about you? Is there anything you'd like to address, recommend, or tackle about Michael Douglas that we haven't yet? I
1: remember I was really disenchanted with him when when, when, around the time Perfect Murder came out because it was like first of all, Gwyneth Paltrow was playing his wife.
0: Which was so disturbing, yeah.
1: But she wasn't the trophy wife. She was like the hag he was trying to get rid of,
0: right? Yeah, like she dared to cheat on me, like, screw her. Yes. And they had and no he was like chemistry, of course. with her. Like, no. Yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, that was when I really felt like he'd sort of lost some crucial perspective. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they all have, especially guys who hit the zeitgeist like this, like you can look at those like five years where like Stallone was just really on with what people wanted to see culturally, you know, with like beating the Russians and winning Vietnam. And like, you know, they really yeah, tapped, yeah. they're like, and And Douglas had this time where he really tapped into that undercurrent and then all of a sudden in the end yeah, the 2000s it was just where to go.
0: I know he was making strange decisions even from the producing side like he produced that really bad one uh, one night at McCool's with Liz <laughs> <Right>. Tyler <laughs> it's like, you know not really the level of taste that we've come to expect here yes. <laughs> oh man so yeah he he had some missteps there but he also did some really good work as we pointed out behind the candelabra. Uh, wonder boys traffic um has there been any other performances or anything that you want to
1: yeah i'm trying to think i mean i remember like laughing so hard about his i mean it's a just a cameo on haywire
0: oh yeah uh, another one Mm -hmm.
1: it was like that perfect douglas timing like i mean i don't think he gets enough credit for how funny he is Mm -hmm. when he's on the phone and they explain that she's still alive and he's like okay you're gonna want to stay indoors
0: Yeah. he's way funnier than people uh i think think of when you hear the name michael douglas you just immediately think of these dark heavy roles but no he's funny like oh yeah um, he's
1: got that line reading in the game right where he has the key to the one of my
0: favorites yeah
1: and he's like oh it was in the mouth of a clown puppet that (laughs) trails off
0: (laughs) i know or when he's just threatening people yeah it uh but in that rye michael douglas way the game is so good i'm one of those big fans of it but i'm probably alone in that yeah (laughs) except (laughs) no i know there's a huge yeah i know there's a a huge
1: cult of the game i'm not quite there because it's yeah
0: you're like uh no
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's fine it's it's
0: fine yes it's a movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: it's not bad i just it's weird people get so passionate about it i'm like okay
0: oh very funny well yeah um, i
1: watched his netflix show the kaminsky method that was oh that's
0: really right yeah i really like the first season i haven't seen the new ones was did it stay as good
1: oh yeah kathleen turner plays his ex-wife on the third Ooh, season which is okay. really yeah they, they've still got it together
0: that's cool <laughs> i saw her give a talk when i first moved to arizona and she just shared like the stories about her and danny and michael she really wanted to bow out of uh war the roses i think douglas did as well they kind of did that one as a favor but she just talked about how much fun they always had together and uh yeah so i gotta check that out the chemistry even though he
1: sued her to be in jewel of the nile
0: i know he did and then he (laughs) threatened to sue her again later um because he was gonna remake it with Catherine Zeta-Jones, and you know, there's a whole thing, <laughs> and uh, that like didn't happen. Yes. <laughs>
1: oh. oh, thank God. Yeah, I yeah. don't, I don't know a lot about his personal life, which I feel like is for the best, because you know, it is. Uh, yeah. when he like went on TV and said that his wife's vagina gave him throat cancer, like that
0: was, that, just... that was a little much. <laughs> No, the funniest was I read that his opening line to her, like, he worked it out with Danny DeVito. He, like, saw her in uh, this oral movie, wanted to, you know, meet her and, like, basically marry her. It's one of those guys he admits he needs to be married, even though he, <laughs> like, is never faithful, but hopefully with her it was. Uh, but he works it out, like, at this film festival, Danny DeVito was going to go over And like, then bring her back to the bar with him to meet him. And so Danny did and he schmoozed and brought her like, this must be their old play, essentially. And then uh, (laughs) Douglas like worked on his opening line and it was, I want to be the father of your children. And um, she said, like, she did an unamused laugh, like out of shock. And then she goes, I've heard a lot about you. I guess it's all true. Good night. And she turned around and walked away. <laughs> and so he had to send like a bunch of roses to her hotel, wherever she was going next, he had to find out. And, um, you know, I'm sorry if I came on a little strong. It's like, yeah, you came on a little psycho there, Michael. But yeah, I love that. Even uh, his come on to his future wife was, was a little like something out of one of his movies, essentially. Yes.
1: Yeah, Gilbert Gottfried has a great routine about the cancer story. And he's like, you know what? Worth it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was that was the craziest story. It was like, well, that's what caused it, but it's also the best cure. And it's like, don't go there, Douglas. We don't need <laughs> to know. <die." laughs>
1: and now all the kids know him from Ant-Man.
0: <laughs> from Ant-Man. Oh God. Is he in it? I didn't even see that movie.
1: Oh yeah, he's he's um Paul Rudd's like mentor in the
0: ant Man oh, okay. movies. Actually
1: he's he's very funny in them. Like they ah, have
0: a, okay.
1: those are the most tolerable of those movies, I think, because they're basically comedies with Michael Douglas and Paul Rudd, but
0: yeah, everybody wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sure want to thank you for doing this, for going over the, the crazy career of Douglas tripping over his dick with me. It was a lot of fun. I really appreciated this, Sean well
1: thanks for having me i love this show so always good to see you
0: you too this is jen johans at filmintuition.com and film intuition on social media and Letterboxed, and this is watch with jen